Welcome to Health Naturally on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Dennis Stewart. Great to see you back again once again, Dennis. Very nice to see you again, Greg. Always enjoy doing the show with you. A fresh young face, <laughs> fresh ideas, a good sense of humour. Jeez, I haven't even shaved today either, so... <laughs> that doesn't matter. Fresh as it is. I've never shaved for about 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> now, Dennis, you were talking about treatments for arthritis yeah, last yeah, week and yeah, I continue on that yeah, again this yeah, week. yeah. And you mentioned herbs like turmeric and what was the other? Willow, willow bark. Willow yeah, bark. Yeah, yeah. Look, I want to continue that and people might say, look, why do you want to dwell on this a bit longer? For the very good reason that many, many people experience arthritic conditions and the medical option for that, um, good as it might be, is not always the answer. And many people are looking for sensible uh, natural medicine options Yep, And uh, that's why I've said, spent a bit of time trying to get listeners to think about remedies that have a good reputation that can be useful for addressing particularly some of the milder and more chronic levels of joint inflammation. So I'm not overkilling the topic. It's just the fact that so many people have joint problems. Yep. So many people are not doing well and are concerned about some of the mainstream medications, particularly when they're used for a long period of time, people are voting uh, with their feet, so to speak, looking for options. And I want to just speak very briefly about a few more options today uh, to uh, give to people information, sensible information, that will allow them to discuss the issue with their doctor, with their pharmacist, or with their herbalist or a naturopath. And we've got Bruce from Wall's End on the line. How are we going, Bruce? Oh, I'm good, thanks. Hello, Bruce. How can we help you? bad arthritis. Oh, yes. I mow lawns for a living. Yes. If I didn't have the bad arthritis in my knees, I'd be fine. Yes. But it's from my toes to my shoulders. Okay. In my fingers, yes. everywhere. Bruce, are you getting treatment for it? No, not at the moment. I've been taking tablets for arthritis, but... Uh, Panadol Osteo. Okay, okay. But it doesn't seem to be helping. Okay. Look, I'll mention two um, remedies that might be able to help you, which are easily accessed. You would be able to procure them from your good pharmacist or from your health food store. Um, Obviously, you're struggling with some osteoarthritis, so um, I would be suggesting that you look at uh, remedies that incorporate the substance known as glucosamine. Glucosamine. Now, look, I speak frequently about it. Uh, Usually it's accompanied by other supportive substances, particularly a substance called chondroitin. And glucosamine and chondroitin are some of the new kids on the block, so to speak, even though they've been uh, used and products manufactured uh, with them now for quite some time. Um, they still are not as well known and used as they should be, in my opinion. So, uh, And they're particularly useful for uh, degenerative wear and tear conditions, such as in um, osteoarthritis. So um, a product that would incorporate glucosamine and chondroitin, and there are many of them, would be the way to go as a starting base. So write that down. Bigger pardon? So that's what they call... Yes, glucosamine and chondroitin. Now, let me just emphasise, they're the substances in many preparations 
that go under brand names. And this is why I'm suggesting that you talk about it uh, with your pharmacist who would be able to make a selection from the range of products containing them or your health food store. That is a starting base. But another thing that I would be suggesting is that uh, you reinforce the use of glucosamine and glucosaplex and chondroitin with uh, a substance known as curcumin. And I'll spell it for you. C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N, curcumin, C-U-R-C-U-M-I-N, curcumin. Now, it is a very, very popular and increasingly utilised remedy, particularly, again, for a level of uh, inflammatory activity which uh, is amenable to the gentle uh, action of this substance which is an anti-inflammatory agent and also a mildly analgesic. It's a good companion to glucosamine and, and other remedies. So those two, a glucosamine preparation and a curcumin preparation, I think that I'd be using those as a starting base. And again... You, beg your pardon? Use both of them. I would use both of them because both of them are addressing two aspects associated with inflammation. The glucosamine-based product is more appropriate, in my opinion, for osteoarthritis, whereas curcumin has even an action in mild levels of rheumatoid arthritis. So those two taken together, easily accessed, reasonably priced. Now, I would also like to mention to you, Bruce, and to listeners generally, that with glucosamine-based products... The literature tells us that one needs to be taking them for about three months to get a real potential benefit from them. Uh, Glucosamine-based products are not uh, a quick fix, but when they start to work, and I take them myself, by the way, my own product known as Glucosaplex, I take it myself, but you need to be on them for about three months in order for them to begin to do the job. With and cur- one a day, is it? Uh, well, it depends upon what product it is and what potency it is. And this is why I'm suggesting that you, with, your, with your condition, you would be better to seek the assistance of a health professional, such as a pharmacist or a naturopath or a herbalist working in a health food store. Yeah, because some days, like today, it brings tears to your eyes. Yeah, I realise that. Now, are you applying anything to it? Are you rubbing anything on it? I'm using uh, heaps of Vitaren. Okay. And which helps. It give, look, listeners would have heard me over the years speak about products that contain capsicum or what yep. we call chilli. And there are numerous products that contain that, which is a really effective agent. Uh, numerous products in, in the marketplace. Stiff Sore and Sorry is one of them, an excellent product. Try to, to use one of those, alternating it with other topical yep. preparations. You do that, I think you'll move a bit better, Bruce. There was one I had, but you only can get it from Melbourne. It was in a bottle and it had roots in it. Um, there's only so many places in the world that were telling me that you can get these roots. Um I haven't got the name of it on me, but I've got to get some more of that. Okay. Brilliant. It had it had these tree roots inside it. Okay. 
Look, I don't know too much about that, but uh, uh, the, the two preparations that uh, we've been discussing, a topical application of Voltaren and a preparation such as uh, Stiff Store and Surrey with capsicum in it, they're the two that I'd be suggesting you try. Cheers. Thank you very much for that, Bruce. We've got Jan now from Fern Bay, mm-hmm. and she's got a question about inflammatories with anti-inflammatories with mm. blood thinners. Hello? Oh, hello. Hello. How are you? Jan, is it? That's it, yes. How can, um, we, how, how can we help you, Jan? I've actually got rheumatoid arthritis. Yes, as yes. As well as probably osteo. Yes. Um, so obviously I have some pretty awful drugs I have to take. Yeah. Um, but I've recently had blood clots in my lungs, yes. um, and so therefore I'm on it. Um, Yes, yes. I I can't take things like turmeric and other natural anti-inflammatories and obviously can't take Celebrex, which I was taking before. Oh, I see, yes, yes. Yeah, so I'm wondering if there's anything I can take that aren't going to interfere with the the blood thinners. Are you on methotextrate or anything like that? No, I'm actually on a needle. I'm on embryo needle. Okay, okay. Uh, Look, anyone who's taking uh, a blood thinner or an anticoagulant needs to be cautious about what things they append to their treatment, whether they be natural things or, mm. or medical things. Or right. it would be uh, not opportune for me to uh, start discussing what things you should try and not try. There are a number of natural remedies that may well be able to help you, but what I would prefer uh, to do is to um, talk to you more intensely and I would suggest that you ring my rooms at New Lambton. I will happily do that for you and okay. there discuss some issues with you because I do not want listeners to, uh, how can I call it, misinterpret anything oh. I would say about a remedy and its relationship to anticoagulant or blood thinning medication. There would be some useful substances that I'd be happy to discuss with you personally. Okay, great. I shall do that. Thank, thank you. Thank you very much, Jan. Okay, bye. And we've got Michael from Aberglass on the line. How are we going, Michael? Pretty good, thanks. How are you? How can we help you, Michael? Yeah, good afternoon, Dennis. Good afternoon. Um, look, I have to admit, I was listening a few weeks ago. Yes. And um, I do take uh, some preparations and medicines. Yes. And you mentioned that uh, ginkgo biloba was um, not recommended in conjunction with one of the medications that I'm on. And uh, I just wanted to know, first of all, uh, whether you can recall what that was uh, or whether it was, was it a blood thinner? Okay. Yeah, look, the, what I'm going to say now is, is controversial. Um, when ginkgo first began to be used, and even on, um, even on some of the literature today, um, there are uh, cautions or recommendations that ginkgo... Uh, should not be prescribed with medication that we refer to colloquially as as blood thinners. There was uh, information suggesting that ginkgo has what's called antiplatelet aggregating characteristics. That is, it it tends to um, work uh, in in, in a way like a blood thinner. And therefore, if one is taking uh, blood thinning medication, it might be uh, not wise to, to take it in conjunction with ginkgo. But let me just say that there's a controversy about whether that is, is correct. Um, even though I still uh, caution 
people, particularly my own patients, uh, who are on multiple medications uh, about using the ginkgo and certainly to let their doctor or health manager know that they're taking it. Um, there, I come back to the point, it is more controversial today uh, than it was years ago when the medication began to be used popularly in Europe for addressing a, a pretty serious medical condition. So I would suspect that what I was maybe discussing with you, Michael, was that you may have been taking medications that uh, had blood thinning characteristics and I might have suggested that uh, you be cautious uh, and I might be overstating the case there, uh, be cautious in using the ginkgo. Now, it, was, it was with someone else you were discussing it, but um, I may only be on the blood thinners for a temporary uh, time. Yes. Look, let me just say that um, as far as I'm aware, I was the, the first person to give lectures on the medicinal properties of ginkgo, and I did that many, many years ago at a, a big seminar that was held in Blackmore's Auditorium at, at Balgala. So um, I knew I know a fair bit about this medication, and see it, uh, particularly for uh, elderly people, and I put myself in that category, uh, uh, as being one of the most useful devices uh, for offsetting some of what we call the deficits associated with ageing. And by that I mean that in much of the European literature, particularly in the writings of uh, the great medical practitioner and herbalist, uh, Professor Rudolf Weiss, uh, the ginkgo is seen there as one that can uh, support uh, cognitive activity and is recommended to, to be taken as perhaps a useful agent to offset the, the early development of dementia or more serious conditions um, such as Alzheimer's. So I'm a great fan of it. I take it myself. Uh, it has multiple benefits, particularly uh, cognitive activity, but also uh, on peripheral circulation there are few remedies that uh, compete with the ginkgo in addressing compromised peripheral circulatory activity so that people, for instance, that are struggling with, say, uh, a varicose condition, say a varicose ulcer, yes. very frequently I will recommend that they uh, contemplate and discuss it with their medical manager, the taking of a therapeutic dose of the ginkgo. And yeah. I've seen some remarkable results in suggesting that. The other thing also is that ginkgo, in conjunction with bilberry, uh, has been uh, very significantly put forward as a useful combination to address some levels of diabetic retinopathy and macular degeneration. So you can see why I'm enthusiastic about it, but having said that, having said that, uh, I still put up um, the, 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 not the alarm bells, but the, the precaution but um, you just need to keep an eye on it. Your doctor would be able to uh, manage the condition by a regular blood test to see if there was any interference. But uh, I come back to the point that um, it's one of these remedies that I think is still underappreciated and for elderly people should be significantly seen as potential to offset some of the things that uh, ageing individuals are likely to experience. Such as like a, a peripheral vascular insufficiency. Correct, correct. That that's a good term to use. And I remember 
um, demonstrating the efficacy of the ginkgo. Uh, many years ago, just uh, before the earthquake in Newcastle, I was uh, practicing in, in Church Street, and people uh, who uh, came to see me would have to walk frequently from the railway station up the hill to my rooms in Church Street, just opposite the police station. And some of those patients would have peripheral circulatory problems. And over the quite a few months uh, where, when I would be seeing them, I was able to log their improvement by noting the way in which they frequently said that they didn't have to stop as frequently as they originally did because they were able to walk that little bit better. Now, that is what... Uh, we use the ginkgo for. Obviously, there are limitations to it, but things like intermittent claudication or peripheral circulatory insufficiency, as the Europeans re refer to it, that's a classic, a classic case of where the ginkgo should be looked at seriously. Oh, that's good. That's good to know, as well as the memory support. Oh, look, this is... I, I still argue, I still argue that uh, the early onset of dementia... Uh, can be um, helped with natural medicines, natural drugs, and in my opinion, leading the pack is the ginkgo. And there was a conference, uh, I think in about 1986, don't hold me to it, but it was head in, held in the United States where a Professor Rapin from one of the Spanish universities, I think it was, uh, chaired the conference and the proceedings of that conference on the ginkgo were published and in the foreword, to the uh, to the proceedings of the of the conference, that uh, professor made the statement that at that stage, uh, ginkgo was probably the most important natural medication to address the accelerating uh, level of dementia in our society. Well, that's great, Grant. That's really uh, helpful information. So uh, thank you very much for that. Thank you, Michael. All the best. Bye. Thank you. Well, we got Colin now from Saltash. What can I help you with, Colin? Good morning. Hello, Colin. How can we help? Ah, uh, well, your favourite subject, Dennis. Yes. Bees. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> what would you like to know? The health benefits of bee pollen. Now, are you taking it? I, I have been taking it for quite some time, two or three years. Okay. As, as a smoothie with crushed almonds, pepitas and yoghurt and some fruits. Okay. In the smoothie. Now, if you don't mind my asking you, why are you taking it? Well, I, I was read somewhere or heard somewhere that it was uh, very good okay. as a general as a general vitamin type supplement. Okay. Look, um, I don't use a lot of uh, bee pollen, but I, I use a, lo a lot of bee products, as you uh, as you yeah. might as you might expect. Well, Although, I, do, I do. I do also. Okay. I'm a great believer in the honey. So I, I, you will not. A lot of honey. You will not find any competition from me. I can assure you. And right. I, I still believe, as a little aside, Colin, I still believe that people fail to appreciate the significant modern findings associated with the diverse therapeutic potential of pure, unadulterated, um, unprocessed honey. And uh, I see it as an agent that can address so many uh, common, uh, simple health problems. For instance, in some of the modern literature, um, there's some good papers uh, suggesting that a regular use of, of pure honey 
is an agent to address this chronic plague of insomnia. And I have demonstrated that in some people, taking taking a large amount of honey, i.e. a tablespoonful of pure honey, um, can progressively improve the sleep patterns of individuals. Not all, but the literature certainly suggests that. Uh, so, and 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 of course, you would have heard heard me talk about uh, my own product, the uh, what I call Melderma honey ointment, which I've used probably now for thirty, maybe more years, as yeah. as an agent to address intractable uh, varicose ulcers, where it has in fact uh, saved people's legs, and I have testimonials yeah. for that effect. People yeah. do use the bee pollen as a tonic preparation. I'll put it this way, it, it is popularly used in Asia. Chinese uh, use a lot of it and um, see it as being a useful substance, a substance in as much that it is the substance that supports the developing hive and is considered to have some, uh, how can I call it, useful general health principles. In many ways, it could be seen as, if you like, a, a, a substance that frequently in conjunction with ginseng is seen as a good uh, tonic product basically to support all aspects of the body. Now, people might think that that's a very broad concept. It is, but let me just explain. There's a whole folk medicine tradition that suggests that certain substances uh, can be seen as having a systemic, supportive or tonic effect, not addressing any one particular disease, but addressing the overall health of the individual. Tonic preparations, bee pollen could be seen in that category, popularly used, as I've said, in Asia and particularly by the Chinese. But be, be aware, be aware that on um, with bee pollen, there is the potential for allergic reaction. Some people, some people using bee pollen can experience a nasty um, allergic reaction that can be quite disconcerting. Not that popular, but I think, again, don't hold me to it, I think in this country there has to be some uh, statement put on the label of the product indicating that there is that allergenic potential. I think that. Uh, I have not seen too much evidence of it, and I've worked have worked with bees all my all my life, so to speak, and presently I'm in a state of mourning, as 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 we see, oh, no. as, as we see the local <laughs> bee industry uh, mm-hmm. wiped out. My my dear daughter and my son-in-law have essentially lost their business as a result right. of their uh, many many hives. They were traditional, well, not traditional, yep, traditional, but professional beekeepers. Yep who made their income very successfully from running uh, their bees in various locations. And uh, unfortunately, the other night um, in my property at uh, North Rothbury, uh, some of their remaining beehives were euthanized. So as a family, we're, we're, if you like, in a state of mourning. Uh, now, I know that's got off the topic, but listeners should be aware of the, of the devastation that's happened in, in, in the area here as a result of the varroa mite. Uh, yeah, it's but been terrible. It's been terrible. But no, yeah. look, that's how I would see the bee pollen, uh, okay. a natural agent used yeah. in Asia with the ginseng as a tonic preparation, as a means or an aid, if you like, to maintaining mm. what we would refer to as vitality. 
what I use is about uh, a level tablespoon yes. in a smoothie. Yes. Once, once a day, yes. going going to bed. Yes. Or around yes. dinner time. Yes. But I I also uh, just read saw recently where the bee catchers or the honey catchers in some Asian country yes. uh, basically survive on on honey. Oh, that wouldn't uh, that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, yeah, they have they have about a hundred mil portion. Uh, before they go to work of the morning, and yes. that's all they have all day until their evening uh, meal. Well, keep in mind, keep in mind yeah. that that honey is an energy food, mm. and mm. and um, in in some of the modern literature that I have, it has been suggested that athletes, for instance, rather than pumping themselves up with some of the uh, commercial, um, how can I call it? Products that are used in the con- in the, in the legal context <laughs> of sporting preparations should, uh, if you like, start the football match by taking a, a significant slug of honey yeah, and yeah. and use it uh, across the match. Now there yeah. you go. I've, I hope the local football teams take this on. <laughs> if, if it if it works, I'll be putting out my hand for for a royalty for making them. Now look, I, it, that's how it is being suggested as an yeah. energy food. And it's right. a supportive food. It, well, it's, it's great. It's fairly good because I'm I'm 82 and I've got an extensive garden situation. Yeah. And, good on you. And it keep, keeps me busy. Well, you're the and, same age. Uh, you're the same age as I am. So, no, uh, you're, only, yeah, you're only a boy. Look, I was just reading a magazine before I came on the on the program today of a dear 105 year old lady that is mm-hmm. still still living independently, with a little bit of help coming during the week. Still 105 doing the things that she's always done. So, again, I fight against this concept of ageism and I would like to think that the many stings that I have had over the years <laughs> has contributed in some, in some indescribable way to, to my vitality. You keep taking the, the bee pollen, keep using the honey and, uh, yeah, hope and pray that eventually we'll get the hives back. Okay. Thanks, well, Colin. Thanks for your help, Dennis. Good on you. Good on you. We've got Ruth from Wanji. What can we help you with, Ruth? Oh, hi. I was just wondering if there is any natural um, replacement as a bile sequestrant. Okay. What are you presently using, Ruth? Colistamine. Okay. Um, what condition do, uh, are you struggling with? Uh, I get chronic diarrhoea. Okay. Look, and the, the, the preparation you're taking is, is useful for you? Extremely. Okay. But it's in short supply worldwide at the moment. Yeah, like many of the medications, this is a, a favourite topic of mine and uh, one of my great concerns is the, uh-huh. the, the, the looming or already present problem associated with uh, things that we've taken for granted, uh, i.e. the supply of medications, I can see now that that's becoming a problem and will accelerate as a problem and that is one of the reasons that I frequently uh, talk about um, alternatives that can sometimes take the place of agents such as what you're taking. Look, I'm off the top of my head, I don't, I can't recollect anything that could be seen as competitive with the substance uh-huh. you're taking. Um, with your uh, problematic diarrhoea, um, it, it is associated with any particular liver, gallbladder or pancreatic problem? 
I had my gallbladder re- removed, yes. and my gastrologist tells me that it's a result of that. Okay. Look, uh, have you used anything um, to, to uh, mop up, slow down, um, <laughs> a, a, address the, the problem of transit time or d- diarrhoea? Um, I have. I mean, I use the obvious, the, the imodiums and gastro stops of this world, okay. and... Uh, Lamex, yeah. um, you know. So I've tried all of, all of those things, but they're really only an aid. The yes. cholesterol is um, quite a good at balancing everything out. Yes, making it easier to manage. Yes. Look, I'm not aware that there is anything uh-huh. that can be seen as a natural equivalent to it. All all that I would say is, it might be worthwhile uh, trying. Um, in significant doses, uh, natural slippery elm powder. Now, slippery elm powder um, taken at, in, a, in, say, a, a teaspoonful dose can frequently uh, moderate, uh, give better control, uh, and uh-huh. works by virtue of slowing down the transit uh, through the gut of, uh, yeah. of, of, of substances that are being metabolised and as a result, by slowing it down and creating uh, better form stools, it can frequently address this problem. It's worthwhile giving a go. It will not clash, as far as I'm aware, with what you're taking. It may well, in fact, augment it and allow you to use the product at, at, a, at a, a lower dose. It's, it's not go- in my opinion, it's not going to, to harm anything. It's a very safe substance. I'd say a heaped teaspoonful of slippery elm powder available from your good health food store would be worthwhile to contribute to this problem. Okay. I appreciate your information and time. Thank you, Ruth. Thank you. Good. Well, we've got Keith from New North Lambton, and he's got some sore feet, it seems. Hello, Keith. Oh, good day, Dennis. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Keith. How can I help you? Thank you. Um, just a quick aside first for your listeners. I had some plumbing issues and I did speak to you about saw palmetto and curcumin. Oh, yes. And that's worked out very well. I believe it's given me um, some good benefits. So thank you for that. Thank you, Keith. That's a, um, much appreciated. And uh, look, I've got a bit of a funny one. I, I got some new shoes and I like walking around Lambton Park, basically. Good on you. Good and on you. I, I sort of squashed my feet. I didn't take the inserts out. I've got um, those uh, arch ones that were done by a podiatrist. Yes. And anyway, I went to the foot doctor all oh, about three weeks yes. ago. And, you know, basically she said, just take it easy, wear things in, you know, um, be aware. Now, my feet haven't got a lot better. They're still... They're still quite sore. Like there's nothing like uh, uh, that thing you get in your heels. You know, that's not it's the not issue. Spurs, Just yeah. The bottom of my feet are physically sore when I walk, and I'm just wondering if you have any sort of ideas or anything that might help that. And this has only come about as a result of your utilising or getting hold of some new shoes. Yeah, and I did something silly, to be honest. I I had these arch supports, but they were ASIC shoes, and I I didn't take out... They come with a sort of an insert in them, in a a way, and I just 
put the two together and, and the foot doctor seemed to think that I just sort of squashed my feet. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. So, um, you know, they're, they're good shoes yes. and, and the arch supports, the foot doctor had a look at them and said, oh, they're good, you know, they're, yes, they're still fine. Yes. And um, so I've been careful and and uh, trying to be careful with my feet. But it got to a point at one stage where it would wake me up at two in the morning and my feet would just be aching. Okay. You know, it, it, it's a very odd sort of thing. So I'd, yeah. Yeah, if you had well, any ideas well, on that. What I'm going to, to tell you about now is it might sound a little bit simplistic, uh-huh. but it's, yeah. it's based on observing this. Many, right. many years ago when I was a young man, and that is, if you like, many years ago, uh, on, I was uh, living in Sydney, oh, yeah. uh, studying, living on my own, and um, uh, belonged to, a, to a, a, a church that I still belong to, the, the Open Brethren. And um, on a Wednesday night, we would uh, gather at, a, at um, Newtown in, in, in the Gospel Hall there, and we would pick up a number of elderly people uh, to go for the night meeting. And one of them was a dear lady that lived uh, along the way, I, a beautiful old lady. Uh, um, unfortunately, the, the, we don't see a lot of this today, uh, but never mind. Uh, we used to call in to pick her up to take her to the midweek meeting. <coughs> inevitably, we were running. Uh, she would not be ready for us, and we would end up getting there late because... When we would arrive, she would still be there with her feet in a bowl of hot water and that in the hot water was a handful of Epsom salts. And she would bathe her feet regularly, whether we were there or not, particularly at night, with an Epsom salts foot bath. And, And she claimed, and I have subsequently heard many other people, particularly elderly people, say, that that has been a great aid in lessening some of these nondescript, uncomfortable symptoms that our feet get, particularly as we get older. Now, it's not going to cost you much and it's not going to hurt you. I, yeah. would, I would suggest that what you do is sit down before the telly, um, get a bowl of, 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 of hot water, soak your feet in, a, in a, an Epsom salt foot bath, and when you finish it, um, just give your feet a massage, even with a, with a mild substance, something like, for instance, some, some olive oil, just to just to, to massage the feet, keep mm-hmm. the tissue soft. The the old timers used to say that the Epsom salts would draw out all the acid. Now that sounds very non-medical, but I think there's something in it, and mm-hmm. uh, I would suggest you give that a try before. Uh, you spend too much money on it. It's not going to be a big issue. It will probably resolve itself in time. But I would like to think that an Epsom salt foot bath, an old-fashioned way, goes back to my days in Newtown. First time I've mentioned this, but I can remember this dear old soul like it was yesterday. And uh, she walked pretty well as a result of doing what she did regularly. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, you wouldn't believe it. I've actually got a packet of Epsom salts. There you go. I'm dosing my the, uh, fruit trees, the uh, citrus fruit trees. Good on you. Well, well, we've, we've lost a lot of Epsom salts in the in the watering can. Yeah. 
greens up the leaves. Good on you. Well, I've I, actually, I, I, I could... actually got a packet of Epsom salt. Well, just, just throw a handful, <laughs> in, a, a handful in a bowl and yeah. enjoy, enjoy the footpath. And, yeah. and, and down the track, get back to me and tell me you've got better feet. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, if, if it's as effective on the plumbing issue, I'll be very happy. Thank you, Keith. Okay. <laughs> Thank okay. you very much. Right, uh, good, good. And Dennis, we've got time for one more call. It's Suzanne from Seam, and she's got something about anti-aging. Hello, Suzanne. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm very well. How can we help you, Suzanne? Um, well, I'm ringing up to ask you if you've heard of the hormone called DHEA. I have heard of it, yes. What would you like to know about it? Oh, well, I used to take it for quite a while, mm-hmm. eight years ago, and unfortunately the endocrinologist I saw was struck off. And I'm having trouble finding anyone to give prescriptions because the GPs don't believe in it. Uh, some GPs um, probably do. I, I must admit that um, I'm, I tend to work more with, uh, how could you call it, simpler basic substances such as herbs rather than look at, um, how can you call them, hormonal isolates. Um, whilst I'm not opposed to this, I don't use it, I don't know a lot about it and I can understand there might be some reservation on the part of many doctors because hormonal substances... Um, in my opinion, as a non-medical person, need to be used with discretion, with knowledge, with caution, because it is a hormonal substance. So I, uh, if I was in your situation, uh, rather than looking for a, for a doctor that would prescribe it, what I would be looking at are other remedies that purport to support, if you like, um, the ageing process, which is what you've been using it for, and this is where I think substances that we've been talking about even today, particularly the ginseng and the ginkgo, should be looked at uh, with with uh, with a little bit of enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, I can't take those because I suffer from a lot of allergy-related with um, taking herbs, etc. And when I was taking that, I didn't have a problem. But the doctor said, you have to trust me and take the um, same progesterone that is prescribed um, on a prescription. Yes. So I said, okay, I will trust you, and it's catastrophe. So I've stopped taking it after a few months. Suzanne, um, what I would suggest is uh, look around for what's called an integrated medical practitioner. They are a group of medical practitioners, I know one or two of them, that use uh, substances uh, a little bit more expansive, uh, if you like, a little bit more embracive and a little bit less common than some of their colleagues, an integrated medical practitioner. We're going to have to leave it there, Dennis. I'm sorry we've run out of time for another week. Oh, how about that? We, we had a good time today, Greg. We did. Had a great time today. We had a great time today, particularly about foot baths and Epsom salts. <laughs> we'll talk about it again. Simple remedies. People laugh at some of the simple remedies. They still work. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.